0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy Veterans Day. Welcome to episode 13 of the Freight Be Moving All Things Logistics podcast with me, Jewel Williams. And a big, big, big thank you to all the veterans of the Armed Forces. We thank you for your service. I'm reading today from the website historyofwar.org. It speaks to the importance of logistics during times of war. A link for this article will be in the show notes below. For all you history fans who would like to read this article and read from the website, it is a pretty extensive article. All right, let's get it. Philip II of Macedon, 359 to 336 BC, was one of the greatest conquerors of Greek history inheriting his kingdom in the aftermath of a dangerous defeat in which his predecessor was killed and ending his reign as the dominant power in Greece with an empire that including Thessaly and large parts of Thrace. He is more famous as the father of Alexander the Great. Both Philip and Alexander improved upon the art of logistics in their time. Philip realized that the vast baggage train that traditionally followed an army restricted the mobility of his forces. So, he did away with much of the baggage train and made the soldiers carry much of their equipment and supplies. He also banned dependents. As a result, the logistics requirements of his army fell substantially, as a smaller number of animals required less fodder, and a smaller number of wagons meant less maintenance and a reduced need for wood to effect repairs. Added to that, the smaller number of cart drivers and lack of dependence meant less food needed to be taken with them. Hence, fewer carts and animals, and there was a reduced need to forage, which proved helpful in desolate rains. Alexander, however, was a little more lenient. He allowed his army of men to bring their wives and children. This prevented discipline problems for the men attempting to make sexual advances to the local women within the villages. He also made extensive use of shipping with a reliable sized merchant ship able to carry around 400 tons while a horse could only carry 200 pounds. In addition, it needed to eat 20 pounds of fodder a day thus consuming its own load every 10 days. He never spent a winter or more than a few weeks with his army on a campaign away from a seaport or navigable rivers. He even used his army's logistics, he even used his enemy's logistics weaknesses against them, as many ships were mainly configured for fighting but not for endurance. And so Alexander would blockade the ports and rivers the Persian ships would use for supplies, thus forcing them back to base. He planned to use his merchant fleet to support his campaign in India, with the fleet keeping pace with the army, while the army would provide the fleet with fresh water. However, the monsoons were heavier than usual and prevented the fleet from sailing. Alexander lost two-thirds of his force, but managed to get to Gwadar, where he reprovisioned. The importance of logistics was central to Alexander's plans. His mastery of it allowed him to conduct the longest military campaign in history. At the furthest point reached by his army, the River Bees in India, his soldiers had marched 11,250 miles in eight years. Their success depended on his army's ability to move fast by depending on comparatively few animals using the sea wherever possible and good logistics intelligence. The second story relates to the First World War, as the First World War was unlike anything that had gone before it. Not only did the armies initially outstrip their logistics systems, particularly the Germans with their Schlieffen Plan with the number of men, equipment, and horses moving at a fast pace, but they totally underestimated the ammunition requirements, particularly for artillery. On average, ammunition was consumed at 10 times the pre-war estimates, and the shortage of ammo became serious, forcing governments to increase ammunition production vastly. In Britain, this caused the Shell Scandal of 1915, but rather than the government of the day is to blame, it was faulty war pre-planning for a campaign on the mainland of Europe for which the British were logistically unprepared. Once the war became trench-bound, supplies were needed to build fortifications that stretched across the whole of the Western Front. Add to that the scale of the casualties involves the difficulty in building up for an attack, husbanding supplies, and then sustaining the attack once it had gone in, if any progress was made, supplies had to be carried over the morass of no man's lands. It was no longer that the war in the West was conducted, it was no wonder that the war in the West was conducted at a snail's pace given the logistics problems. It was not until 1918 that the British, learning that the lessons of the last four years, finally showed how an offensive should be carried out with tanks and motorized gun sleds, helping to maintain the pace of the advance and maintain supply while away from the railheads and ports. The First World War was a milestone for military logistics. It was no longer true to say that supply was easier when armies kept on the move due to the fact that when they stopped, they consumed the food, fuel, and fodder needed by the army. From 1914, the reverse applied because of the huge expenditure of ammunition and the consequent expansion of transport to lift it forward to the consumers. It was now far difficult to resupply an army on the move while the industrial nations could produce huge amounts of war material the difficulty was in keeping the supplies moving forward to the consumer the five principles of logistics accepted by nato are foresight economy flexibility simplicity and cooperation they are just a true they are just as true today as they were in the times of the assyrian and the Romans. The military environment in which they can be applied is considerably different. And as can be seen in the Balkans in the late 20th century, adopting and adapting military logistics to the operational scenario is an essential feature for success. Ultimately, a real knowledge of supply and movement factors must be the basis of every leader's plan. Only then can he know how and when to take risk with these factors and battles and wars are won by taking risk. Wavell, 1946. So I know this was a short, real read. I just wanted to give and tip my hat off to all the soldiers out there and say thank you and go out enjoy your day if you're, if you're in the um, pathway of Nicole you're probably getting some rain I know it's been raining here in Georgia for the last two days and what a perfect day to just sit in the house and read about history alright everybody thanks for listening thanks for subscribing to my podcast if you like what you hear share it leave a comment, all that good stuff. Like, subscribe, and turn on the bell for notices. All right, peace and love. See you next week, bye-bye.